Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. You guys, I have a question for you. We're going to start with a little trivia here. Everybody ready? You ready for the trivia? You ready? Here we go. How many times a day when you wake up until you go to sleep, how many times a day do you touch this phone? That's a question. A million? A little lower. How, how many times a day do you think that you touch this phone? Like from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed, how many times do you physically touch this phone? How many people think it's, it's, uh, it's 100 or more? Yeah, 100 or more? Okay. How many think it's 200 or more? Ooh, that's a lot, 200 or more. How many think it's 500 or more? All right. How many think it's uh, 1,000 or more? 1,000 or more? Dan? 1,000 or more? So we're still, okay, three. 1,500 or more? You keep it the whole time, so it's once. All right. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you the answer. The answer is going to shock you. The average, this is the average. That means there's some less, some more. The average person touches their cell phone, just touches it, 2,617 times a day. 2,617 times a day. Do you know there is a new, and they're, they're trying to actually get it diagnosed, that there is actually a new disease called brain dump. Now, I don't think that's a political term. That's the Barry term. All right. But, but listen, they literally, they literally have a disease because we are so distracted by our cell phones. We are. And you know, I've told you before that there's things when I speak on things that I get up here and I'm speaking and the whole time I'm speaking, I know for a fact that my wife is saying, you do that more than anyone. See, she's the only one laughing. Did you hear her laugh? She wasn't like, ha ha. She was like, ha 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 ha. Did you hear it? Well, listen, I want to tell you something. She's right. She's right. So I want you to know something that, and, and there's all kinds of technical and all kinds of clinical things that go on in your brain when you touch this phone. Because what you're looking for is you're looking for some kind of stimulus. When you go and check, when, when you go and check your, your Facebook or your Instagram or your Twitter or your, um, uh, guys, what are the ones that the kid, the Snapchat, is that one? I think when, when, you, when you refer to something as the Snapchat, I think you're old. I think that makes me old, right? Like the Twitter, I think that means I'm old. So in TikTok, the government says you need to delete TikTok. 
All right. I don't know. They said there's all kinds of spyware. Anyway, but this literally is draining you. And even when I want you to listen, even when you think that you are sitting at home and you are relaxing and you think that you are just having some downtime, if you if you are on this. The studies show that that's not the case at all. The studies show that this actually drains you and it doesn't replenish you in any way. It doesn't replenish you at, in any way. These things, do you guys know these things are addictive? Do you guys know that? You know they're addictive? Let me ask you a question. This is going to be fun. How many people in here refuse to have one of these and just have a flip phone. Yeah, the, the maintenance guy here has a flip phone. But I got to be honest with you about Jeff. I, he's a little sketchy because I think he's from Luthersville. He's from Luthersville and you can't trust anybody from Luthersville. I've already told him. Whenever we, whenever we, uh, it's so funny. I, I love Jeff. He, Jeff, Jeff is about 110 pounds soaking wet, but he loves, he loves putting on costumes for like Easter and Christmas. And so we, since Santa can't always make it, Jeff will put on a Santa suit, but he walks around and it's just draped on him. And Jeff is a very funny guy, but for some reason when he puts on the suit, he just puts his hands down by his side and he just walks like this. Anyway. But Jeff has a flip phone. I think Jeff has a flip phone because he doesn't want to hear from me. And he doesn't want to hear from Stephen. He wants, the, he wants the ability to say, I missed your call. And I'm thinking, of course you missed your, my call because you got a 1984 flip phone. All right? So, but listen, these things drain us. They actually, I want you to hear this. They actually steal our peace. They do. They rob us of Peace, and that's the Advent today. It's the Advent candle of peace. And I want to help you today rediscover peace. I want to help you rediscover peace. Now, here's what Advent means. Advent is defined as this. Advent is defined as, as the word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is traditionally a time of expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. And last week we looked at hope. And I told you, I want you to be a person of hope. And I want you to be a people of hope. And today we're going to look at rediscovering. Now, last week we rediscovered hope. This week I want you to rediscover peace. We are looking in this Advent season toward Christmas Eve, toward the birth of the Savior. And today we're going to look at peace. Luke 2 verses 8 through 15 says this. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good, no, good, uh, good news that will bring joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city 
of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. And by the way, I love, I love that verse, the armies of heaven, because last week we looked at a scripture in 2 Kings where we saw the same armies of heaven that we couldn't see and that the Israelites couldn't see. They were surrounded, yet all along the hillside, all along the hillside, was the armies of heaven that were going to come down and protect them. And the cool thing is, is we saw the armies of heaven do that, and they were warriors. In addition to that, we see that the armies of heaven also are worshipers. They're warriors and they're worshipers. And now we see them worshiping. It says, praising God and saying this. Here's what they said. Glory to God in the highest in heaven and peace on earth for those with whom God is Pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? The word shalom, the word shalom is what we define as peace. Now for us, for us, often this afternoon at some point, I have a goal, and here's my goal. I want peace, and I want quiet. And when I have that peace and quiet, I hope there is sleep involved. Are you with me? Sunday afternoon naps are the best. I want, I want peace, and I want quiet. But I want you to understand something. When the Scripture talks about peace, and we're going to see this in a couple of weeks when the Scripture talks about love, when the scripture talks about peace, we don't have the ability. We, we, our word for peace is something much more surface than God's word for peace. Shalom is different than just me having some peace and quiet. For me, peace and quiet means that Wendy's not asked me to do something and that the dog doesn't need to go out. That's me. All right. For you, it may mean that your kid's not screaming and yelling. We've been through that a while back. We're empty nesters. And so now it's just basically I'm down to two, Wendy and the dog. All right. And I'm glad they're both there. I'm glad one of them's there. The dog is a little long in the tooth. He's almost 17 years old. So you can imagine how fun that is on a daily basis. Anyway, but I literally, I literally, that's the peace that I'm looking for. I just want some silence, some quiet. Well, shalom is different. Shalom is a lot different. Shalom is something that it, it means a completeness or a wholeness. It is a completeness. It is a centeredness. The word shalom means peace. Let me give you an example. When David, when David was walking and he walked to the place where his brothers were on the front lines of the battle and where he heard, he heard Goliath coming down and shouting, David went and looked and talked to his brothers and he asked them this, how is your shalom? Because are you fearful? How is your shalom? Are you at peace? What does it mean? It means that you know, that you know, that you don't have to be concerned Worry, you know that God is in control. It is a wholeness, a whole feeling of completeness, knowing that things are in God's hands and you can take your hands off of it 
and you can just kind of be there along for the ride. God is the creator. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's also the creator of us. And there is a complicated system that he uses to to have us and to create us and to make us. And sin entered and messed up a portion of that. When we have shalom, everything in our minds, everything in our bodies and everything in our souls are all in alignment with one another. And we have a wholeness and a feeling of peace. But the same is true for our lives in general. Our lives are, com- are complex. Our lives are difficult. Our lives bring about issues. Jesus came so that we would have complete shalom. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you this, and this is going to be the first point. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. Whenever, whenever a king would have princes under him, he would assign them various regions. He would assign them regions. And eventually, hopefully, one of the princes would become the king. And that's what happened with Christ. But he came to be the Prince of Peace. What does that mean? It means that Jesus literally is in charge of peace. Jesus is in charge of your and my shalom. Isaiah 9, 6 as the Davis has read so well, Isaiah says, for, us, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, here they are, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. And then it says, the prince of peace. He rules over shalom. As a matter of fact, I can go a step further and tell you that Jesus is shalom. Jesus was hope. Jesus is peace. Next week we'll see Jesus is joy. Not only does he bring joy, he is joy. Not only does he bring love, he is love. And he represents for us what peace is supposed to be about. The question is, is how in the world do you and I experience this in our lives? How do we experience the peace that Jesus wants to bring? And here's what I want to tell you. When we are fully reliant on him, we understand and we experience the peace. And I love how the verses say this. It says, I want to experience peace that surpasses all understanding. Has anyone here ever experienced peace that surpasses all understanding? I have. I've experienced peace in situations where I should be freaking out. I've experienced peace whenever I should be upset. I've experienced peace because there's an overwhelming feeling in me because what I've done is, is I've literally prayed to God. I've, I've read in his word that he's our provision. I've read in his word that he's the provider. I've read in his word what he says and, to, and he thinks about me. He loves me and what he promises me. I've read those things. And then what I do is, is I say, Lord, I read these things in your word. And so, Lord, I am going to rest in peace, in shalom, knowing that you will do what you said you will do. You'll do that. I'm not going to try to take over things. As a matter of fact, I got a funny story to tell you. Whenever I was a lot younger, I think I was seven or eight years old, um, I grew up, you guys, not having to worry about where I was going to get my next meal, okay? I grew up not having to worry about where, uh, you know, what I was going to eat, what I was going to wear. Um, why is that? Well, because I had two parents, and they weren't perfect, but they were pretty, pretty doggone good. I had two parents, and I had decided that after 
after a little while, they had shown me what they would do for me. They have proved to me their, what they had said they were going to do and what they had done had, had, had actually come to pass. And so they had shown me that. And I had this faith in my, in my parents that they would do that. But one day, they ticked me off. They did. They made me mad. And I decided, I'm running away. I was like eight. And I got a little bag, started packing it. And I started doing a little checklist. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I came down to one part of the plan that totally messed me up. What the heck am I going to eat? That was the plan that messed me up. Look, I had clothes and shoes. I had already decided I could sleep under a tree or maybe a bush if I needed it. But I didn't know what the heck I was going to eat. So you know what I decided to do? I decided to repent. Because I wanted to eat. Because my mom and dad would provide it for me. And I didn't have to worry about it. I was at total peace knowing that that lasagna was going to be there at 6 o'clock on the table. But if I left, I didn't know where I was going to get the lasagna. And I decided to stick with the lasagna. Are you with me? Especially my mama's lasagna, which is really good. She's watching today, so i got to say that. But it's really good. No, it really is good. It's one of my favorites. Y'all, listen. If we want peace... We have to rely on the Prince of Peace. That's it. If we, you may be going through something in your life right now, and it may not make sense to you, and you may be upset about it, but here's the thing. If you want peace, you have to rely on the Prince of Peace. If you rely, lean not on your own understanding, okay, but acknowledge Him. You have to rely on the Prince of Peace. And I'm going to tell you something, what that takes. And here's what it takes. And it's the second point in the, in the message, and it's this. We have to practice, y'all. We have to practice peace. And I know people are like, you know, I don't, I don't know what he means by that practice. Shouldn't peace come naturally? No. Peace is not going to come naturally for you. It's not. Peace doesn't come naturally for you. You have to practice peace. You have to work at peace peace. That's why, that's why the scripture always says work out, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work out that, those things. Peace does not come natural to us. And the reason peace does not come natural to us is because we think that if we don't have peace and maybe we're not a follower. But I want to tell you something. You can be a follower of Jesus Christ and not have peace. You can. You can be a follower. Peace is something we have to practice. It doesn't come naturally because our natural thing is, is to pick up a cell phone 2,617 times a day and look for our peace there. That's it. That's it. We have, listen, we start having these emotions. We start having these emotions. And when we have these emotions, we start looking for something that's going to, we get angry, we get frustrated, we get bored, we get tired, and we start looking for something that's going to answer that emotion. And for a lot of us, it's this. We pick it up and it, 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 it pauses those things over there and you start doing this. The only problem is, is that this drains you and you never address those things over there. And so the next day you do the same thing again. Are you with me? You have to practice peace. 
There's a list here that I want to let you guys know. And I'm going to go through it. Y'all, we have to practice peace in our minds. One of the biggest areas, one of the biggest areas that we don't have peace is in our thoughts. We don't. We don't have peace in our thoughts. It's so funny. Uh, a lot of you guys, you know, a lot of men are like, I just never know what my wife's thinking. She's like, I don't ever know. Am I the only one? No, listen, I just never know what my wife's thinking. Well, God knew that I was an idiot. And so what he did for me is, is he allows me. Here's what my wife does. When my wife is thinking something, her lips move and she talks to herself. She does. So she'll be sitting there getting ready for bed and she'll be going, she'll be going. And I'm like, Wendy, what are you, what are you talking about? She goes, what, what? And I'm like, Wendy, your lips are moving. What did I do now? She does that. We all do that. Maybe not that. That's a little strange. But we don't. Our brains work. Our brains work that way. They do. Our brains work that way. And we're constantly having a constant dialogue in ourselves. And I've told you this before. But what a lot of us do is, is we go back to the mid-80s when we screwed up and did something. Or when something happened to us. We go back to the mid-80s and we put in that old cassette tape on the big silver boom box that we had in the 80s. And we play that tape over and over and over and over again. You know, after a while you got to get tired of listening to Millie Vanilli, y'all. You got to. Listen, God is doing a new thing. You need to get into digital age here. You need to put those things back. Are you with me? But we do that. We have to practice in our minds. We have to practice in our relationships too. I've told you this. It's really interesting. This has come up in a sermon three or four times in the last month or two. So maybe God's trying to tell people something. But Romans 12, 18 says this. It says, do all that you can do to live at peace with, with everyone. Do all that you can do. Let me say something to you. Do all that you can do doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be buddy-buddy with everybody. What it does mean is, is that you have to settle things within yourself that this is what it's going to be. This is where it's going to be. And I have total shalom because I have done everything that I can do. And I'm going to sit knowing that I've done everything I can do. No matter what someone says, no matter what someone does, no matter what, you sit knowing that you have that. Do all that you can do. I've told you this before as it relates to having shalom in your relationships, but you can't hold bitterness in your heart. You can't hold anger in your heart. I've told you this, but listen, hatred for someone else or bitterness for someone else or anger towards someone else, it corrodes the container that it's held in. And I want you to get that. It corrodes the container that it is held in. You cannot not be affected by that. Can I be honest with you? I've had people do me wrong. I have. You know, I received an email this week that was not nice. I'm just going to leave it at that. They were not being nice. And it wasn't from anyone here, by the way. It's never from anyone here. It's always the school. <laughs> Jeez Louise. But I was not being nice. I was not being nice. Yeah, you, if all I had to do was hang with y'all, man, I'd, be, I'd have tons of shalom. All right? But anyway... 
But seriously, they were not being nice. And I had a couple of ways. I, I, had, I had an opportunity. I had an, and I was in the right, by the way. I had an opportunity. I could have blasted these people just like, Rrr. and can I be honest with you? That's what I wanted to do. But I did not do that. I held back. You know why? Because, because I, know, I know who I represent, and I know that that is a test. That is a test. Am I going to take the bait, or am I going to let it roll? And I decided to let it roll. And so I stand before you today, not having to repent for saying something that I shouldn't have said. And I have peace about that. Why? Because I took the higher road. Now, as you're sitting there thinking, wow, pastor always does that and I can never do that. No, pastor doesn't always do that. All right. And yes, you can do it. Trust me. But at some point, you have to choose to let things go. At some point, you have to choose peace over, over payback. You have to choose peace over payback. In every relationship, every relationship we have. I want to tell you something else too, to develop peace in your relationships. I want to tell you something. This is going out to the, the, married, the married people. And those people also, those people that you know, have families around. I want to tell you something. I have determined this fact. My, my spouse, I, I was not created to change my spouse. Okay, And she was not created to change me. I have decided that I'm going to accept the person that God sent me. And Wendy's working on it, but she'll accept me at some point. But literally, I'm just kidding. We, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to try to change my spouse. I'm going to tell you something else, too. I'm, I've decided that it's best. Look, my mom, my mom, she looks... 59, but she's, she's actually 76. Gosh, I hope I got that right, Mom. I think I did. Uh, she's 70, 76. She's 76, yes. No, she's 77, but she looks 59. Anyway, I, I literally, my mom, I got my phone here. She's probably getting ready to text me. I am 76. Um, but, but literally, y'all, I have decided I'm not going to try to change my mom. Okay, that ship has sailed. It has. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people that you're around that, especially during the holidays, and we talked about this earlier, but that you get stressed over having to be around. And instead of trying to change them, why don't you just accept that this is never going to be like I want it to be. This is not going to be. And guess what? I'm okay with that. And God, the parts where I'm not okay with it, make me okay with it. You have to practice shalom in your relationships. You also have to practice shalom in your hearts. In your hearts. You know, there's something interesting. I can always tell whenever I'm walking, watching one of these television shows or I'm watching an interview. I can always tell when people don't have shalom in their hearts. They don't have that peace. And you know why? Because there's an anger and a bitterness and there's a, there's a restlessness that happens. And here's the truth. You and I know if we have peace in our hearts. You can fool everyone else, but deep down within yourself, you know if you have shalom in your hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. And here it is. For it determines the course of your life. Another translation says, guard your hearts above all else. 
uh, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. Philippians 4, 7 says this. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One of the things that may surprise you about me as a pastor is I have a hard time having a quiet time. Now, now, I'm not telling you that I have a hard time reading the Bible because I don't have a hard time reading the Bible because I love the Bible. I do. And if you have a hard time reading the Bible, it doesn't mean you don't love the Bible. It just means that you have a hard time reading the Bible. But I don't have a hard time reading the Bible. What I have a hard time doing is stopping and being and being completely silent and letting God speak to me. You see how awkward that silence was? And that's what I feel. Listen, it's crazy. I've even gone so far as to, I have an office at our home. I moved a recliner into the office and put a lamp there. I mean, I've got all the amenities there. I've got everything but a stove and a, and a sink in this office. Everything should be set up perfect for a quiet time. Yet, often I'm distracted. But, God is working on me with that. And as I have that quiet time, as I have that time of reflection, what I'm experiencing is an overall shalom through the whole day. The 10 minutes that I spend in complete silence, listening to God, conversing with God, man, it centers my whole day. It does. And I don't know how God does that, but he does it for sure. Whenever I have that quiet time, my peace returns. And here's the crazy part, and I'm more productive. How crazy is that? I'm more productive throughout the day. If I have that, we have to practice. We have to practice in our minds, in our relationships, and especially in our hearts. The last thing I want to tell you before we close is this. And this is something that when I say it, y'all are going to say, y'all are going to say, oh, I can't do that. That's not, my schedule doesn't allow me to do that. I can't do that at all. That's not something I need to do. And this is a spiritual discipline that I find to be the most important thing that I do during the week. But when I say this, you're going to think that's a biblical thing or that's an Old Testament thing or that's something that just doesn't exist or whatever. But I promise you this, if you want shalom, if you want peace, I encourage you strongly to, to have an opportunity. And maybe it can't be for the whole day. Maybe it can only be for four hours. Maybe it be for six hours. I don't know. But I want to encourage you with this. We all need to observe a weekly Sabbath. We all, listen, I want to tell you something. Sabbath is not you coming to church, although that can be a part of it. It's not you coming to church. It's not. That's not what Sabbath is. I don't know if you know this or not, but there was a company in Germany that decided they were going to, they were going to change the work week so that they could be more productive. And so what they did is they went, they were already doing a six-day work week, what they did is they said, hey, we're going to do, do, uh, do 10 days on and one day off. 
That's what they did. And we're going to be more productive and we're going to put out more cars. Guess what happened? The work they did in 10 days did not equal the work they used to do in six. Can I tell you guys something that may shock you? God knows what he's talking about. And he created you. He created you. And he knows what makes you tick. And he knows what you need. And what you need more than anything is you need to do your work and your stuff for six days. And on the seventh day, you need to rest and find things that replenish your soul. And a Sabbath is something where you do that and you thank God for it. And it's a time where you don't think about anything else except what God's done for you. You be with your family and you enjoy that Sabbath day. A Sabbath means to cease regularly from and to enjoy the results of your work. Can I tell you a perfect example? If you don't believe me and you don't believe God, here is a perfect example of Sabbath. You ready for this? There is a company, and you and I know what they are, that has decided that they would only work six days and they would completely shut down for the seventh. It's Jesus chicken. It is. Those chicken nuggies are straight from heaven, aren't they? They are. And don't even get me started on the Chick-fil-A sauce. Woo! Where that's been my whole life, no idea. But I'll tell you this. This company said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go against the grain. We're not, we're, we are only going to be open for six days. And we're not going to be open for the seventh because we're going to let our employee, we're going to let our employees rest. We're going to let our machines rest. <laughs> we're going to let our computers rest. We're going to let everything rest. Number one company. Number one company to work for. Number one, on and on and on and on. Number one company. Number one fast food. Not even one close to it. 24, oh, we're going to stay open 24 hours, seven days a week. Nope, doesn't even touch it. Why is that? Can I tell you why I think it is in kind of a weird kind of way? Aaron, I don't know what's going on, but the kids are taking over the tribe. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, uh, that sounded painful for an adult worker. I hope it's not Miss Pam McCurry. We'll pray for her. <laughs> Listen, do you know why I believe that, that Chick-fil-A is so successful? One, obviously, because they stand on biblical principles. But you know why else? You know, there is people, and this is so funny. There is people that they don't, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in anything. But let me tell you something. They believe in Chick-fil-A. That doggone chicken sandwich, man, can, can you know, it can, it can sell oil to the Arabs, can't it? I mean, it can. I believe it's because God wants to show an example of an American company to all of us Americans who think we have to go, 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 go. Because every time I drive by Chick-fil-A on Sunday, I go, that's amazing. I mean, I don't mean the chicken's amazing. It is. But I'm thinking the example that they're setting is amazing. Guys, listen. I can't tell you the importance. I can't tell you the importance of having a Sabbath. My dad worked his whole life for a company 
And he worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And he never, he never got to enjoy a retirement because he died before it got here. Can I tell you guys something? I'm not living my life that way. That's not going to be my experience. Because I'm going to take everybody, everybody who works with me knows that Friday, traditionally Friday. And listen, I'm not saying you ha- it happens every, I had to work this Friday. Okay. See point before the message, uh, before about 20 minutes ago about the email I got. I had to work this Friday to do some things. So I didn't get to take a Sabbath this Friday. But for me, Friday is, is traditionally my Sabbath day. It's where I don't, do, I don't do anything that I don't want to do. Sometimes I'll go to a movie. Sometimes I will sit at home. Sometimes I'll mow the yard. And I know that sounds like, oh my gosh. Well, listen, I enjoy mowing the yard. I'm one of those crazy people that do. I really do. I take that day and I only do, and I only do things that will replenish me and that I can connect with God in. And for me, for me, that is what maintains shalom. Some of you guys need to do that. Even if it means, even if it means cutting out some other things. Even if it means that. Even if it means cutting out, you know, certain activities. For some of you guys, it may mean quitting your job. I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you this. I can tell you from a, from a standpoint that I, I have left a, a couple of jobs in my life where I felt like I was totally stressed out. And it's really crazy because when you're obedient to God, he says, hey, guess what I'll do? I'm going to give you a better job making more money. And, I'm, and, that, and, and even if you make less money, that money is going to go further than you thought it could go. And you know why? Because I am the provider of you. So you can have shalom. You can have peace. And Jesus came and we're heading straight toward, we're heading straight toward Christmas Eve and the arrival of the king. And one of the biggest reasons he came is to be the prince of peace, the prince of shalom. My prayer for you is, is that you would have shalom and you would start during this time and you would do it going forward for the rest of your days. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for shalom. Thank you for... Thank you for your goodness that surpasses any understanding that we have. And thank you for shalom. Thank you for your word that pushes us toward shalom. Lord, we all want to live at peace. And we know in our hearts sometimes when we're not at peace, God, my prayer is, is that people will declutter their life enough to hear you when you call to us. And to establish habits that will allow us to have shalom. Lord, as you do this, we won't take the glory for it. We'll give it to you. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. 
If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.